Hey, Don. Hello, Zach. This week, it is the Time Person of the Year. Every year, Time Magazine, for almost the last 100 years now, has sort of announced who the person of the year is. And it's sort of an interesting honor, although I've also kind of wondered, has Time Magazine possibly maybe lost some of its luster? Do you care much about the Time Person of the Year? Not so much, but the Time Magazine, I read something once that said that the news has to be quick or smart. And the quicker you are, the less smart you need to be. And the, and the slower you are, the more smart. So the New Yorker comes out once a week and is looking back at the week and looking forward. But it's really, really smart, but it's slow. And Twitter's really, really fast, but really, really stupid. And Newsweek failed because it wasn't fast and it wasn't smart. And I'm not sure where time is on that. I think it's more towards Newsweek than it is towards the New Yorker. That's a really interesting perspective on kind of fast and smart. I, I like how you're kind of saying that. I remember as a kid, every week we got Time Magazine and that felt like a big deal in our house because that's kind of how all the news was sort of given to us. And now, you know, I don't know if I want political news then I would go to Politico or I go to Vox or I go to a different website that like specializes it. If I want tech news, I would go somewhere else. It kind of seems like Time is just kind of this general, easy to read kind of magazine has kind of lost its niche, at least for people under 40, I would say. Would you agree? Yeah, it's lost its time, but it made sense when it was the go-to source. Now they have a couple theme issues, like U.S. News and World Reports got their theme issue on education and college rankings, and Sports Illustrated has, I guess, the swimsuit issue. I don't know. I don't know what people read anymore. It's still out there, and I, I think at one point being the time person of the year would have been a big deal. It still might be a big deal, or at least time wants me to believe that it's a big deal. And it was interesting because Politico, a couple of weeks ago, kind of wrote this essay about, all right, in a week or two here, time is going to release their person of the year. And we just think that time has got to really rethink their criteria about, like, how do you pick the person of the year? And so here's the best paragraph I read. For brand building, it makes sense that time has steered away from bad guys. Person of the year today sounds a lot like an endorsement, in part because time's original idea has proven so catchy and reproducible. But it also leaves Americans the poorer for it. The point is to identify people who matter and let readers and citizens process that how they will. Given how messy our democracy has become, it's long past time to re-embrace the original conception of the cover and occasionally highlighting the people doing it harm. And Don, the article just kind of goes on to talk about back in the 1930s, Adolf Hitler was the time person of the year, not because he wanted to be celebrated, but because of what a threat he was to democracy. Stalin at one point was a time person of the year for all that he was doing to humanity uh, in terms of starvations and brutal treatment of his people. And the whole point is, should the magazine be a victory lap for people? Should it be an endorsement, a celebration of only good? Or do you think it's okay to put maybe suspicious or dubious people on the cover if they are impacting people? Yeah, I mean, if time labeled this the most impactful person of the year, then I think it gets easier. But I do like the idea that they had the most impactful person on there for good or for bad. However, the article goes into some depth on that and the last impactful bad person, let's just use bad as noting that this is not an easy term to really define, was the Ayatollah Khomeini in 1979. So it's been over 40 years since we've had a quote unquote bad person or an impactful person as the time person of the year. And I think it would be more relevant to look at that 
and probably would have gotten more clicks too. Negative attention, maybe, but more clicks, that's a win, right? You'd think. I mean, you would definitely get a very polarized response. One of the things they talked about in the essay was that in 2001, maybe the magazine should have chosen Osama bin Laden as the person of the year in terms of having a major impact on the world and on America and all of a sudden on how we thought about terrorism and threats. But instead, they gave the award to Rudy Giuliani, who at that time did a very admirable job leading New York City and and kind of being a spokesperson uh, as somebody who was kind of like standing up to disaster and emergency and stuff like that. And I just thought that was an interesting way to kind of frame it of who actually had the most impact that year. And a part of me could kind of lean towards the idea that bin Laden actually maybe impacted more people than Giuliani. Yeah, probably. I mean, thankfully, they both faded from the scene without causing fuller alarm. That's true. They were just saying, if you go back and like you look at, I don't know, 2020, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, they won. I guess that was part of the election and stuff like that, that, you know, it didn't seem like a very um, like sexy choice or not, although I guess you could say he is the president. So that's a pretty big deal. However, I would kind of go back to this theme in the article of do you pick the most kind of notorious thing? I kind of wonder if Donald Trump should have won last year. I, I went through a list in my head after we discussed that we're going to talk about this. I thought Donald Trump could have been one, but he was definitely the man of January for some people that may be good for some people for most, I'd say probably bad, but his, the threat and the, I spent the first seven days, the first few weeks of January, looking at the news every morning, living in terror, as we discussed in our previous podcast, my iPhone was ruining my life. But it is certainly a very impactful person. I could also say Mike Pence was the most impactful. What if Mike Pence does try to fight for Donald Trump so that he can stay president? That could be, who knows where it ends then? No, you make a good point. I had actually written down, are you sure that in 2020, it wasn't secretaries of state and election certification officers throughout America that weren't the person of the year in terms of, you know, working through the the decentralized process that, you know, is how our government works and stuff like that. I thought that would have been one. 2016, Donald Trump did win person of the year. And hey, I I would almost argue, are you sure Donald Trump isn't person of the year from 2016 until 2020? I mean, just every year, like, like who else sucked all the oxygen out of the room? And who else had the whole focus of the nation and the world on every tweet, every press conference? I mean, you couldn't go anywhere and not have people having an opinion about him. I kind of wonder if he just sort of should have been given it for a half decade. Well, Xi Jinping should have some sort of uh, relevance here. He's sucking the air out of the room in a whole different way in that you can't even say anything or think anything bad about him because he'll just literally suck the air out of your lungs and make you not exist anymore. Also impacting trade, also impacting the world. I mean, that's a pretty powerful force as well. No, that's a good point. I wrote down uh, Kim Jong-il, the the leader of North North Korea there in terms of, I mean, he always seems to be in the news, be in headlines, uh, saber rattling a little bit with nuclear warheads. And he would be somebody that I think you could also put on there. In looking at the past there, like in 2019, uh, Greta Thunberg, the the teenager who was kind of trying to bring up uh, climate activism won. And that's a fine story. And I definitely think obviously raising awareness towards climate change is a very noble cause. But I was just sort of wondering, is that sort of what they were trying to say in the Politico article of here's a cause that people can all get behind and here's somebody kind of leading it. 
But again, I just wonder, are we sure Greta was the most influential person in the world? In 2018, you had journalists who were standing up for persecution around the world. Again, another nice story, definitely a very noble cause. But was that the most influential? In 2014, they had the, the people fighting Ebola and all of that stuff, I guess, definitely noble. But I always keep wondering... Is that the point of what this guy is saying is we're not picking the most infamous or the person that's really inside the mind of a lot of people? Yeah, I mean, you can make a strong argument for the basic dictators of Belarus and Turkey that are resisting fair elections and just wreaking havoc in their countries with mass inflation and leading to immigrants surging into Europe. I mean, that could play a player, too. There's a lot of arguments you can make. This particular article we read makes a really strong argument for Rupert Murdoch, which I felt hard to refute. Yeah, no, that was interesting. Because then at the end of it, they just sort of said, well, if we're going to go with our criteria, and I think you're right, ultimately it comes down to like, what's your criteria? And also I think there's definitely a perspective part. I mean, you just talked about you know, atrocities in Belarus, for instance. And obviously, I don't think most Americans can find that country on a map or think much about it. So you probably have to pick somebody who's on the international scene, right, that gets a lot of attention. So you that already would take away certain leaders. But as you're saying, Rupert Murdoch is the choice. And it's interesting, because they kind of lay out the case. And they're like, here's a guy who obviously owns an extremely influential, you know, network of news and newspapers around the world. And here's a guy that, you know, in the article just talks about, he's allowed his network to kind of, you know, promote falsehoods about vaccines and about the, the capital insurrections and not necessarily sort of maybe promote all the truth all the time. But at the same time, the guy's got a business he's fighting for and the guy makes a lot of money with his business. And therefore he kind of stands at the center of, I guess, maybe culturally, politically, socially, sort of maybe the divide in America. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And the truly evil part of that is that there's been a vaccine mandated Fox News for a long time. And yet Fox News promotes all these anti-vax article ideas, which has led to the deaths of thousands and thousands of Americans. And that's hanging on Rupert Murdoch's head, whether he chooses to accept that responsibility or not. It's it's there. I mean, that's hanging on him. It was an interesting choice. And, and I also just go to think about how, you know, over the last couple decades with the rise of cable news, how that really has impacted how people think and, and see the society and think and talk about politics. You know, it just seems like there's a very hardened stance now that a lot of people have. And I do think a lot of us have taken our cues about how we communicate about politics and ideas from TV, not just Fox News, but any of the other cable news networks. You see a lot of people on TV shouting, giving blunt statements. Now we have more opinion shows than ever. And he's definitely right behind and right in the middle of all of that and how we've changed. And I, I, it's hard for me to argue that he isn't at least maybe the person of the year this year, or do we have to look at him as, as a person of the decade or maybe the first quarter century of the 21st century? Yeah, it's hard to really compare these people because you're going to compare against Google, the Google founders, Sergey Brin and Larry Page, who've like changed the way we find our way around the world and uh, search for things and see information. Also along that tilt would be Mark Zuckerberg. So there's so many different factors here and different facets. I mean, Louis Pasteur probably could have had this title early on in the 20th century with pasteurization, which led to the 
millions of people and maybe billions at this point lives saved. I mean, it's hard to qualify. Is this just a medical intervention? Is this a um, social invention, how we think, how we act. I mean, it, there's so many facets to really analyze this. I feel like you need stronger rubrics to really determine. No, that's a good point. What's the criteria again? And it's interesting because, again, I think Rupert Murdoch is a very interesting choice for this year. However, I feel like you could have been giving his name out for the last decade or so, right? If I had to also think about this year and I wanted to get your opinion, who else this year do you think could have won it? One name I had was Joe Meacham, the senator from West Virginia, who seems to have, you know, kind of been the thorn in President Biden's side in terms of passing legislation, in terms of um, getting a lot of the stuff he wants done. It seems like everything has to go through Meacham. And you could say, hey, in some ways, that's the check and the balance that makes the, the 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 system work. At the same time, if you're a Democrat, you probably can't stand this guy. Don't you think he should be in maybe consideration? Joe Manchin. But yes, oh, Joe Manchin, Manchin. Sorry. Yeah, he uh, he's an interesting character. Big New Yorker article on him not long ago. He lives on a boat in the in Washington, D.C., and people come and go and hang out with him. And if he because the Democrats have 50 people in the Senate, including him and the tiebreak of Camilla Harris. They need he is the most conservative member and they need him on board for anything they do. So he has all the power. And by the way, let's stop for a moment and notice and note that if it wasn't him, it would be the the only reason he's that important is the two senators in Virginia that are both Democrats that both gotten elected primarily because Donald Trump was saying that the election was fixed. So nobody voted for the revote for these two. So that's the only reason no conservatives voted. So that's the only reason those two are in. And that leads Manchin to have this powerful place, which brings us all back to, is it Donald Trump again? I feel like it's Donald Trump. It might be. I, I, again, I think he should have the belt for five years. I, I, I've never seen somebody that can just control the conversation and thought in so many different facets. And that's why I think it's like he deserves it from 2016 until today. You know, I mean, I think sometimes it's like the MVP in the NBA, right? Like some years they didn't want to give it to Michael Jordan or to LeBron James because like the voters just kind of got bored giving it to the best player in the league. And so they wanted to like find or manufacture a new story. And a part of me just says, like, if we're going on a criteria of, you know, who seems to be in, in the mindset of everybody's lives and impacting people in all sorts of ways, I kind of am with you. In some ways, he's still out there influencing how people think. It's still amazing that you'll, you can't, like, not read a news story almost. And we're already talking about the elections next November, right? And who's he going to support and what's going to happen? Will he run for president in 2022? Or sorry, 2024? It's amazing how his his you know shadow is still cast over everything. Absolutely, and it texturizes everything. So it's his influence is fading as Twitter blocked him. I mean, if Twitter didn't block him, which maybe Jack Dorsey is the most important person, mm -hmm. then the then perhaps he's more relevant. But he's kind of talked about as an idea. He's not in the face of people as much anymore. And but yeah, he texturizes everything. And that's led to the year that is 2021 is Trump, whether it's mishandling the pandemic, whether it is the election, the Democrats controlling the Senate, really, that I think is his fault. If he if I was a Republican, I'd certainly feel that way. And the way that everything is unfolded. 
it's it's a crazy year not a very good one actually to tell you the truth <laughs> yeah uh, although i wonder now i mean you're right it's not been a great year in terms of uh, the pandemic and uh, more global warming horrible storms i don't know though i mean did anybody at the end of any year just say you know what this was a good one let's uh, let's put a bow on it and, and really you know break out a glass of wine and celebrate this year i'm trying to figure out if like you know is that just a, a perspective thing in in terms of uh, glass half full half empty I feel like every year you could find reasons why it was another bad year for humanity. 97 and 98 were great years for me. I think it was for the world too. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Probably missing something important that I was only focused on myself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, this is uh, Hunter S. Thompson called it, used to call it the, this foul year of our Lord. And I think this one will go down as this foul year of our Lord. And uh, there's so many bad things that happen. I'm ready for the new year. You suggested Jack Dorsey. That's interesting in his power on Twitter and how we communicate. I, I think he might be a, a one. I think Zuckerberg too. He also canceled Trump from like Facebook and stuff like that. And uh, you know, Zuckerberg seems to want to be pushing us into the metaverse. And I believe Zuckerberg won, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago. But therefore, I also just sort of put down it seems like cryptocurrency has sort of been rising in people's minds. I wonder if the Bitcoin founder, he's like some sort of legendary secretive guy. Nobody actually knows who he is. Satoshi Nakamoto, he, she, whomever Satoshi Nakamoto is. Maybe he should win. I think that's interesting. I also just wrote down, what about the teams at Pfizer, Moderna, or J&J who did make vaccines that have been saving lives? And, you know, I know that like, you know, in the years past, we've chosen teams of people in record-breaking time. These people came up with a vaccine and don't you think they should be recognized? Yeah, and the New York Times did an article uh, earlier this week that showed the, uh, the, the number of lives saved for, due to the vaccine. It's millions. I mean, though, they, they had a graph if there were no vaccines and the death rate would have been truly staggering. So, yeah, those probably that should be it. I thought it had to be one person. But if it's people, we could be bioscientists, vaccine developers. That's those are the people. You know, if you go through the history there, especially the last couple like couple decades, they've been much more uh, willing to give it to teams of people who are doing something good. And that's why it is kind of surprising. I do wonder if it should be the teams that are making vaccines. But here was another question for you is, what about instead of a person of the year, what about a thing of the year? And are we sure that we shouldn't say like COVID was the thing of the year or certain hurricanes or global warming or major world events are just the thing that is on everybody's mind? And that really is, is a better way to look at it than a person. Uh, yeah, thing of the year. COVID, I think, is the thing of 2021. Yeah. When did we get our vaccines? Six months ago? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, and nobody really cared. Was that this year? Yeah, it was, it was uh, early, early this year. This would have been, uh, you know, January, February or so. Uh, yeah, I, I think I got to go vaccine makers because COVID was there before that. But the vaccine makers you know, would be it. Or the vaccine itself, that could be the thing. Yeah, oh, there you go. That might be the thing of the year. I don't know. I, I think it's an interesting sort of conversation. I was, again, I kind of was just doing some research about past winners and stuff like that. Again, in the political article, they talk about, you know, like people like Stalin or Hitler had won a long time ago. In 1940 and 1949, our hero there, Winston Churchill, uh, won the Man of the Year Award. 1940 was kind of for his handling of the Dunkirk you know, uh, escape in, in right before the major beginnings of World War II. And then 49, he also got it. It seemed a little bit uncertain why he got it in 49 is by that point, he was kind of, uh, you know, a lame duck premier and stuff like that. However, 
there was just sort of an interesting quote that I saw on the Wikipedia page where they said that Winston Churchill was the man of the first half of the century. Uh, so I guess 1900 to 1950. And, and given what we read about his life, you could definitely say the guy was pretty influential, especially with all of the Gallipoli failures in World War One. And, and this guy definitely was influencing people. So that's an interesting award to give him. My question to you is, who would you give for the second half of the 20th century, 1950 to 2000, um, if you had to give a man of the second half, do you have any ideas? Jack Kilby. Who's that? He, in 1959, he patented the first microprocessor at the first microchip at Texas Instruments. Mm, okay. That's an interesting idea. You're right. That would have been a, a pretty influential person. If, if he hadn't patented, somebody else would have within 10 years. But it is the idea that the microchip changed everything from 1958 to 2000. I mean, and even more so now we see this chip shortage is affecting all facets of production in all products. These chips are what we're really dependent upon. And everything we do day to day, are we're touching microchips from our ovens to our fridges to our thermostat to our phones, we're, we're, cars, it's touched every part of our life. And these processors are something that we've become even more dependent on. It's made us more efficient. It's made us more productive, but maybe dumber. I'm not sure, but the microchip is the biggest thing. There's a book called Innovators that Walter Isaacson wrote. And I remember reading that and thinking, this guy is the guy. And there's other people involved and there's other tables that are set. But again, this book, The Innovators, is fascinating to see how this whole thing developed. Okay. No, I, I, I like that. That, that. that definitely would be impacting people. Although I almost wonder if, because the next question I was going to eventually ask you is, well, who's the person of the first quarter century that we're currently living, 2000 to, you know, I guess 2022 or so. I almost wonder if your pick maybe actually wins uh, 2000 to 2022, just because of, as you're saying, how tied in we now are to microchips. Yeah, but I mean, that it, it was all developed through the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s. And then we just, the, the I feel like from 2000 to 2025, it's been the logical progression of increasing processing speed and more accessible computing power. And, but that was all set here in 99, 2000. And the only thing that wasn't there was Google, but Google was coming. There were already search engines that were inevitably going to get better. Microsoft was there already. And so, um, yeah, I could see that argument, but I really think that a lot, it's a logical extension of what was not, of what was already there. Okay. The only other ideas that I could come up with when I was thinking from 1950 to 2000, my best one is the Beatles or like Paul McCartney, John Lennon. When you think of not only did they sort of, you know, do a ton of innovation with rock and roll, but the fact that their music spread around the world and that, um, you know, it impacted a lot of people's lives in a lot of different ways or made people happy or made people sad. I kind of wondered if, if maybe they could deserve the award. Yeah, sure. I, I like the Beatles. I just watched the portions of the Let It Be thing on, uh, on Apple TV or Disney or whatever it was on. Uh, I, I think they're good. I, I don't know if it's world-changing it is i'm sure for some people but the stones were pretty good eric clapton was pretty good we're gonna find some decent music that people are gonna enjoy all over the world maybe but the monkeys would have ruled if the, the beatles ends but just in terms of influence right and and being <clears throat> able to get into people's minds uh you know for that 50-year period they really 
left a, a cultural impact or imprint on people, I guess. And so that was just one I was trying to think about the time span. The other people I kind of came up with was uh, Ronald Reagan in the 1980s. He obviously was president. And at the same time, once he was not president anymore, I felt like the next decade, all people have talked about was, or all people talked about was Ronald Reagan and what an amazing president he was and the conservative ideology. And for a long time, you just heard people talking about, you know, we're the party of Reagan. And I felt like his shadow still cast for a decade, even though when he wasn't president. And I thought that was maybe an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, for conservatives and mostly wealthy people in America, yes, I think communism was going to end regardless, with, even without Reagan, maybe he sped up that process a bit. I'm going to go back to the Beatles. I think they're only a band for 10 years. In addition, I think we're really leaving out a gigantic social movement, and you could go with Nelson Mandela or Dr. Martin Luther King or somebody else who's involved in these empowerment movements for people of color or women and their power growing because think about how much we've gained from women in the last 50 years that we probably didn't weren't allowed to contribute for the most part until 1950. So there's a lot of parties there that are really, really, really powerful. No, those are great choices you just said with Martin Luther King or, or Mandela in terms of people leading nonviolent protests to bring about social justice. Those are probably very you know, important people and, and very good ideas. Probably I, if I had to really sit and think, I think probably I'd probably end up going and voting on that end. Oh, the other one I could think about was what about Saddam Hussein in terms of throughout the 80s and the 90s, the guy kind of had everybody's attention for a long time. And again, not necessarily a good person, but, you know, if we're going for this sort of infamous on people's minds impacting the world, do you think he makes uh, makes the cut at all? I think he's on the B team with Castro and uh, Gaddafi <laughs> and uh, those people that were just kind of these known bad parties that we could shake our fist at, but weren't really impactful in how things are going. I mean, uh, probably uh, Gorbachev would be better, a bigger party, and that he ended the Cold War, really, and brought about tremendous change for the better in Russia. Gorbachev, that would also be, you're right, that's a very interesting one. Um, the only other one, here's my dark horse I'll throw at you, is Roy Kroc, McDonald's. Changes the way we eat, we consume food, we grow food, we process food, we expect what food is. Think about kind of his impact on the globe in terms of, you know, he took a, a yellow M and everybody around the world just sees it and knows exactly what's going on in that particular building. Uh, yeah, and food systems probably very crock. Although the uh, development of genetically modified foods also probably plays a huge role in whomever at Monsanto did that. But still, I, I, I'm liking the microchip as it's changed more and the uh, Jack Kirby making the microchip that changed more about how we run our lives. No, that's, you're probably right. Um, so then I guess let me just jump to what do you think then the first quarter of our century here, uh, 2000 to 2022 or so, who would you uh, give the award to? I'm thinking it's probably got to be Zuckerberg because the it's not just him, but he represents the pinnacle of the information age and the it's about personal data, individual advertising, social media. He's the one that probably carries that because if it was just Twitter, it would be it's not the same thing as the all immersive experience that is 
social media now in that it's Facebook, it's Instagram, it's all those things. And um, remember, Google tried to make their own social media and it failed. It was uh, was that Second Life or? Uh, no, it was a Google Plus. Yeah, it was it was like a stupid <laughs> circle of your friends and it didn't work. Yeah, and that failed. And so there's that. Um, you could also think about Apple with uh, the iPhone and Steve Jobs being the primary force there. Because remember, Amazon tried to do a phone and failed. Microsoft tried to do a phone. I remember you had the Microsoft phone and it failed. And this is a, uh, those are really good companies that are really good at doing stuff and they couldn't compete with Apple. I mean, that's a revolutionary device and company that's changed things. So we could say Steve Jobs has changed the way we think and interact with all other humans. Or it's Facebook, or it's Sergey Brin and Larry Page at Google. There's several arguments to be made, but I think it's got to be about social media or our phones and how we interact so differently with individuals and plan our lives and get around town and navigate places and, and, and. I had written down Steve Jobs and Apple, given how the phone has shaped our behavior. Last week, we even talked about, you know, the phone and how just in the last decade of our lives, how much of our behavior is now shaped by the phone in our pocket. I, I definitely think that's got to be one that has to be thought about. I agree, though, Zuckerberg and the way that we now communicate and, and interact and, you know, socially, that that's one that I could definitely go with. I also just wrote down President Trump. Again, I, I think from not only the fact that he was a president uh, for four years and, and the shadow that he casts over lots of different things and how people think about him and, and his policies, but also the fact that in the early part of the 2000s, the guy kind of reinvented himself as a reality TV star, right? And that business show he had. And that is what really got him uh, gaining in notoriety and, and able to then launch a presidential campaign. And you forget that a large chunk of this first part of this century was reality TV and the idea that the individual themselves using the platform of media can now become a star that many people know. And I wondered if maybe he deserves consideration. Yeah, you see, it's interesting. You seem to keep going to presidents and I keep, to see, go, keep going to social and uh, technology leaders. Um, I, I, if we're going to do a president, it's got to be Obama because Obama was not only just our first African-American president, but a, 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 mo a leader in a, for change worldwide. I mean, he got the Nobel Prize. He also was part of the inspiring of the Arab Spring uprising because they said, hey, look, somebody that looks like us can be in charge. Somebody that lo looks like us can be involved. And he changed the way the whole game worked. Also, you know, passed to a certain degree, Obamacare that is going to the change healthcare. There's a lot of bastions and hope and reality that were shaped. And a lot of young people are shaped by the idea of just who Barack Obama was and is. And that's if it's going to be a president, it's got to be him, I think. Well, and, and once again, we are looking at this through the lens of, of Americans and stuff like that, because the other things I'd written down is, well, what about Vladimir Putin? I mean, the guy has held the world stage now for a long time and, you know, is definitely a major player. And then what about the leader of the Chinese Communist Party or, you know, the leader in, in India and stuff like that? I mean, these are people that represent nations of over a billion people. They never seem to get consideration. And are we sure that they shouldn't? No, I'm not sure. I think that that could be once. I mean, we mentioned Xi Jinping, but like you said, there's uh, Mahdi over in England or in India is tremendously influential. Yeah, it's just so hard to see it from just our perspective. We really need a panel from representatives from different places. But uh, yeah, well, I think I think it's hard to really take a handle on it. 
No, I, and I think I go back to what you said. It just depends on like, what is, how is your rubric, right? How are you picking this? And there's just so many different ways to go with it, which, okay, so if we're making decent arguments here for lots of different people or ideas, then I guess I'll ask you this. Like in the NBA, they have the player of the week award, and then they have a player of the month award. Do you think we should be having the person of the week or person of the month award that time is just giving out regularly? And, and maybe that we can kind of focus our thinking each week or each month, and then we can see whoever wins it the most in a year. That's how we decide who the person of the year is. I want winner of the day. (laughs) (laughs) Assistant manager at Georgia McDonald's gives a little girl an ice cream after she dropped it on the sidewalk. That was the best thing that happened today. And that's the winner. But now that goes to the feel good thing, right? I, again, uh, I mean, <laughs> no, knock no, you off. I want a day so bad that that's the guy. That's the guy that wanted. <laughs> I mean, like I was thinking though about like in pro wrestling, the rock, when he was the title holder, he would take his belt, he would lay it on the ground and he would just start pointing at his opponent to come and take it from him. Right. And what if just, Hey, like every day, like, Nope, I'm still holding the belt as the person of the day, the person of the week, someone come and do something better than me. I do like that. That would be interesting. If that's the case, then the NBA should name Kyrie the man of the day every day because he's holding the world, holding the whole league hostage. So yes, maybe that's it. Or your boy, Ben Simmons, who refuses to play. I mean, it's really uh, professional basketball has become more about the stories than it is about the game in some ways. That's right. But they hold people's attention. And I guess that again, if that's how you want to judge this based upon your rubric, I guess. Well, then I just wanted to turn my attention to who did win this year. And one of our favorite billionaires, Elon Musk was the time person of the year. And therefore they didn't go with the political suggestion of Rupert Murdoch. But Elon Musk is definitely somebody who seems to be in the zeitgeist and in a lot of people's minds and stuff like that. And I just wanted to read a paragraph from the Time Magazine article about Elon Musk. And here's the best paragraph I read. They just said, the richest man in the world does not own a house and has recently been selling off his fortune. He tosses satellites into orbit and harnesses the sun. He drives a car he created that uses no gas and barely needs a driver. With a flick of his finger, the stock market soars or swoons. An army of devotees hang on his every utterance. He dreams of Mars and he bestrides Earth. Square-jawed and indomitable, lately Elon Musk also likes to live-tweet his poops. Just dropping some friends off at the pool, the 50-year-old zillionaire informed his 66 million Twitter followers on the evening of November 29th, having previously advised that at least half of his tweets are made on a porcelain throne. After an interval, 21 minutes, if you must know, an update, splish, splash. And Don, what do you think here? Elon Musk, a good choice for this year? You know that I'm frustrated with this company because it shouldn't be worth what it is worth. And though I think his products are really cool. I mean, it does show that if he's the leading tech entrepreneur, it shows what the other people in the tech industry, which really is the leader and the most powerful in the world, I would say, has not necessarily shirked responsibility, but definitely faded from the central view. Uh, Jeff Bezos got a divorce, kind of stepped down as the CEO of Amazon. It's still worth a lot, uh, the second richest person in the world, but he doesn't want the spotlight anymore. And Bill Gates has really fallen from grace as it seems that he's not been the most faithful husband and kind of a little seedy in in his life. And so he's hiding hiding from the spotlight. Mark Zuckerberg's hiding from the spotlight, trying to fight off government regulation. 
the Google guys are just trying to live to 200. They're not, they don't want to be in the spotlight. <laughs> and so all these people that are in this tremendously powerful industry that are in is very influential, they're hiding from the spotlight. And Elon Musk just seems to love it. And he tries to seek out as much attention as he can. He is very impactful in his tweets and everything like that. I think there's probably some better choices, but I can totally see where this choice is. No, and you're right. Those other people definitely are all obviously rich and they definitely influence the world. But as you're saying, Musk seeks out the attention and he is somebody that is continually communicating his thoughts, uh, whether whether people like his thoughts or not. And in some sort of way, I think that's why you get to be person of the year is you're controlling the conversation. A lot of people are thinking about you in lots of different ways. There's a great quote in the article and it says, he dominates Wall Street. The way finance works now is that things are valuable not based on their cash flows, but on their proximity to Elon Musk. Bloomberg columnist Matt Levine wrote in February after Musk's game stonk tweet, it vaulted the meme stock craze into the stratosphere. And all of a sudden, the guy will just you know mention a company and then people start moving things. Billions of dollars shift just based upon his utterances, which I think is kind of crazy. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think you said it well, that it dominates the conversation. And that's what we're talking about here. And just the way that Donald Trump dominated the conversation. Joe Biden doesn't dominate the conversation. He's milquetoast and intentionally so. He just wants to govern and move along. And Musk is really seeking that out and driving people's perception of the world. And so, yeah, absolutely. That is a fair choice. Well, the other thing that I think is admirable about Musk is one, he is a self-made man. The guy came from South Africa and literally, you know, put himself through school, started companies. What I think is kind of incredible about him is that he made uh, some millions of dollars early in sort of the early internet games, uh, like setting up some sort of a website and stuff like that. But then he took all his money and basically bet on himself with PayPal. And then he now had a couple hundred million dollars. And I think what's pretty impressive is that he basically took all that money and bet on himself again with both Tesla and SpaceX. And the idea of not just being satisfied, but being willing to like, you know, put your money where your, where your mouth is. And I read a biography of him a couple of years ago. And like there was this period of time where both companies were kind of teetering. The amount of money that you need to kind of fund these sorts of projects is just enormous. And the guy was, you know, stressed out beyond belief. But the fact that it kind of worked out, I think, is pretty impressive. And I do think like that's one of those like you can point to him for the American dream or American success story of, you know, if you're willing to risk it all, like, you know, great things can happen. I'm not saying that it was all predestined for him. But the other thing that I think is also admirable is, and they mentioned in the article, he builds stuff. He's doing hard engineering work. It's not just computer programs or another social media site. He's actually making hard, hard things that people almost thought were impossible at one point. Yeah, I think that's the biggest one is he's rolling the dice again and again and again and keeps coming up with sixes. And so that's great. And he's put a lot out there. And the biggest jump is definitely building stuff. I know a lot of Detroit was skeptical that he could actually build these cars because building cars, it turns out, is hard. And so, but he's done so quite successfully. So that is a reasonable, uh, reasonable assertion. And just the other idea that he is, I think, kind of shifted people's mindsets about space and about going to Mars, going to the moon, the fact that he has a company that's basically um, outmaneuvered, out-engineered, you know, your traditional kind of like Boeing or Lockheed Martin who kind of had government contracts and they could just never make anything. And yet for them to kind of show up and, and just sort of like dominate 
like kind of the next generation. And all of a sudden people think like, yeah, going back to the moon or going to Mars, it is possible. And I think in some ways he's opened a lot of people's minds to this sort of stuff that maybe we were a little bit closed-minded, right? Maybe we weren't challenging ourselves and here's a private citizen that's kind of done that. And I think that that's all really admirable stuff. He out Richard Branson, Richard Branson. Yeah. I mean, and you could say like someone like a Richard Branson, who obviously is also doing interesting things, but you could say he was sort of the JV team compared to the sorts of problems that Musk and his people have taken on. Now, the article also talks about that personally, the guy does not seem like a very nice guy. It seems like he's mistreated a lot of people, but that kind of seems like that's about like Steve Jobs and these other people that have done hard things. They're maybe not the nicest people in the world, but they definitely have left an impact. I don't know if you can be the nicest person in the world and get those amazing tasks done. And sure, it's clear that uh, Bill Gates is not the nicest person, nor Steve Jobs, nor was anybody that's probably motivated people to do incredible things. I don't know. I I just thought it was an interesting choice. I I can't deny it. I mean, I guess my thing would be is, do you think Musk should win the 2000 to 2022 award? Oh, for two years? Yeah, I, I don't know. There's got to be somebody better. We can't have a repeat back-to-back. There's, there's going to be somebody better next year. Who's there going to be better next year? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, that, that's a good question. Who wins in uh, 2022? Oh, uh, gosh. I, I'm going to go with somebody that sues Microsoft and wins. <laughs> Departments <laughs> of Justice or something like that. Or somebody takes down Facebook. There you go. That'll be the, and really breaks it up. The trust busting of social media. If that happens, that'll be a big story. Okay. No, you, you could be right. I, I'm going to go with just, I think the leader of China right now, who's sort of gotten now sort of a lifetime appointment that he's kind of convinced everybody. Again, there's a billion people. There's rising tension with uh, America and China. And this guy's at the center of it all. I don't think he gets enough attention almost. That's who I'm going to probably pick. Not a bad pick, Xi Jinping. Then I guess just sort of final question. Do you think the person of the year is just an outdated idea? And again, this kind of goes back to how we started this conversation of Time Magazine, is it relevant? Do you think anybody cares about this stuff that's under the age of 40? I think they click on it. I think it's worthy of a mention on Twitter and so forth. And ultimately, that's, I think, what Time wants is that people to tweet about it and ultimately link to their website and see their ads. And uh, that's the popularity they're looking for. So, yeah, I do think it's relevant. And Time has a put a flag in this. This is their thing. And the Time person of the year is the person of the year. Just so that's uh, they got that property. They have to stick with it. Yes, it matters. Now, going back to Musk versus uh, Politico's idea of Rupert Murdoch, do you think time chooses Musk because that would appeal to a younger audience and it would be more clicks than if they had chosen Rupert Murdoch? Far more click worthy and Musk will will run with it and make a big deal of it. Murdoch would just be like, ugh, another thing to deal with. I'm going back to my house with my wife that's 40 years younger than me. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, we'll uh, have to keep tabs on uh, 2022. Maybe we'll make that a running comment here as to who we think is winning by the day or by the month. And uh, we can see if we can predict this by the end. Sounds good. All right. Well, Don, it's been a pleasure talking with this week. I look forward to talking with you next week. Absolutely. Have a good one, Zach. Take care.